You are now tuned in to another episode of the Return of the Roar podcast. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, Chris Watkins here, sitting across from me. Uh, I, I pointed the wrong way. Um, Frankie Cardicelli. Uh, I was gonna. I was gonna make reference to uh, UC Davis's loss to uh, the Academy of Arts, but. Uh, you know, I, I didn't want to put that on you. I was going to say what, like you lost to the Academy of Arts, but th- that's just that's that's embarrassing. One of my friends made a joke about that. He went to UC Davis and he asked, and it's a serious question: Are they in the the the, uh, the same conference as there's a school for the blind? I believe a college school for the blind, and they were <laughs> asking if the Academy of Arts is in the same conference. Uh, I don't know if we ever had the answer to that question, but. As bad as a Sunday as the Kings had, at least we didn't lose to the Academy of the Arts. So, Bunch sorry, of I, saw, I saw somebody say like graphic designers can play basketball. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out, uh, yeah. So, um, not great stuff for for a local local basketball. I think you, you I sent you the, the the fact that UC Davis lost yesterday to the Academy of Arts, and I think you had the uh, quote of the century with KHK teams are just cursed. They just are. Yeah, I mean, and the A's also are another are in one a of those. tailspin of yeah. And I know, I know money out. Everyone, yeah, and I know Marcus Semyon played for the Blue Jays last year, and that's what got his deal. But you look at a bad Sunday for for all people that are fans of the Kings, yeah. the A's, and of UC Davis. Marcus Semyon goes in back to the division, huge deal. Uh, Kings get just bodied by a Grizzlies <laughs> team without John Morant and a team that. Uh, without John Morant against Atlanta over at the beginning of the weekend, got beat mm-hmm. by 30 points. And yeah. then Hughes Davis loses to a school that's probably made up. Uh, so <laughs> it's it's a tough weekend. Yo, for- it was honestly like a pretty like news-filled, uh, in terms of sports at least, like Lincoln Riley got, got announced as USC's head coach yesterday, the, the Simeon deal. There was like four or five other baseball deals yesterday that got yeah. announced. Max Scherzer sure. just got announced. Yeah, that's, it's going to be a crazy day, by the way. I know we talk about baseball a little bit, but it, today's going to be a crazy day because the lockout's coming Wednesday. People need to get their physicals in by tomorrow is yeah. what, what I've been – Reading and uh, like a bunch of those baseball guys are saying it's going to be like a, a quote bananas, not my quote day. So um, if you're looking to be entertained by some moves, there you go. Because the Kings, unless you're an A's fan, unless you're an A's fan, look away because they yeah. could be trading away some some big pieces. Yeah. Uh, speaking of trading away big pieces, we'll get to that in a little bit. But um, we, <laughs> we, we, I don't had, know if we, anyone's noticed or not, but we're not talking about Sacramento Kings because we had to take a we night. Don't we had, want to. We had to take a night last night. We we text Chris texted me and said when we were down by forty, I think. Yeah. yeah, you're like, so we're recording tomorrow, not tonight, right? And I said, Yeah, you read you read my mind. I there's something I wanted to do less last night than continue to talk or think yeah. about the team when it's just an ongoing cycle of the rope a dope. They win two in a row, you feel good, then they just get completely obliterated. And with with no real, there's no real answer to why the, the effort just didn't look like it, it doesn't look there, and that's why we we aren't going to get into the the X's nose and even the stats numbers. We're just going to speak freely because what we're what we're seeing on the eye test is a team that uninspired. Is that the right word? Uninspired, uh, unmotivated. 
Yeah. I mean, yeah, those are, those are all words because I feel like the team just doesn't believe that they can pull out upsets on it. I mean, not, I don't even want to say upsets, but they just don't feel like they can pull out the win on a nightly basis. Like they're, it, it's kind of the same as la- or I'm, I'm speaking more with the Grizzlies mind or the Grizzlies game fresh in mind. Like there was just like that was a game from last season. One hundred percent. Like the Kings were just like defense be damned. Like we're just going to go out and score and the other team's going to score against us. And we, we, we think maybe there's a chance that at the end of this game, we can just at some point outscore them and pull away. And it, it did not. It happened the complete opposite way, which um, happened, you know, countless times last year, more than five times last year where the Kings would get blown out by 20, 30 points. And uh, we hadn't seen that yet this year. They hadn't really just gotten absolutely railed, especially for that long. I mean, it was I can't remember what it was at halftime, but it was it was pretty much done at halftime. At the end of the third, they were down 30. Um, it, it, it was 11 zero. It was 11 zero yeah. before the Kings even started scoring. Scored. Yeah. It was over before it even started. Yeah, um, no, it really was. And, and like, you, I don't, I, I am zero. I'm putting zero percent. I guess you can say blame, but the three overtime game that doesn't concern me. I, I know it's it. It had to have been at least two percent of a factor in the fact that they lost that game. But you don't just because you play a triple overtime game doesn't give you the excuse of just rolling down, rolling over and, and getting steamrolled like they did yesterday. I mean, like there's, there's no, like there's, there's no amount of minutes you could play that, that justifies uh, that action. And it's, it's, it's just more of the same. I mean, I, I think the, the thing that I learned these past couple of games is just, I mean, the Portland game was fun. It was exciting. They kept it close. Um, it was on. Was that on Thanksgiving? That was the day. That, that before, was day before Thanksgiving. Day before Thanksgiving. Before Thanksgiving. Um, it was a fun game. They, you know, they they ended up pulling it out. Obviously, they gr- grinded it out. A good win. That was a they good really win. Really good. Yes, like that's that's the type of effort that they need to frankly have on a night to night basis if they're going to win. Like if they wanted to even be close in that Grizzlies game, I know. And we're not. Also, we're talking about this is classic Kings. We're talking about a game where the team's best player didn't play. Like John Morant just did not play. How many times is that, is that this year that we've played somebody? And I think you and I have said, "Oh, hey, this guy's out." And I think we start we started saying that to each other less when the big players are out because yeah. it doesn't matter. It doesn't it's, matter. it's kind of a bad thing that when they're not full strength. Because you look at Portland, they were full fully healthy, fully healthy Blazers team. Kings took them down to the wire and they won that game. They gritted it out. The Lakers fully healthy took it down to the wire, triple overtime. Gritted it out, and I've always been a guy who, who I said at the beginning of the season I wasn't very high on the Lakers, and I stand by that. Uh, which, of course, will queue up tomorrow. The Kings losing by thirty to the <laughs> Lakers, but then you see t- last night, no John Morant. The Grizzlies looked lost on Friday, and without him, and the Kings lay down. The definition of laying down was last night's game. Just I, it just they mailed it in. It just was like a scheduled loss but mm-hmm. not to anyone else except themselves. Because I looked at the line before the game. I checked the line. I said, oh, why is... I think Grizzlies are favored by four. Yeah, why, why are they they're minus four and a half? Why are mm-hmm. they favored by four and a half points after the Kings have looked so good the last two games and the Grizz, the Grizz have no John Morant? Why the hell would they be favored by five points? Should have been favored by 30, I guess. <laughs> they should have been favored by 30. So um, the, the pieces... 
Yeah, they still would have covered them. They wouldn't have, I don't think. I think it ended up being like 120 to 104 or something. Yeah, it, it was. they lost by 27, so I, I guess they... Yeah, know, they lost it, by 27. It, it, it's just, there's not really a clear answer to... The the problem well De'Aaron needs to play better. De'Aaron's played mm-hmm. pretty well. He didn't play much. No one played well yesterday, so that, I'm kind of not going. I'm using that as an outlier. I think the leading scorer last night had 14 points. It was Buddy Hield. Yeah, so, it was an aggressive 14 points. <laughs> yeah, how many shots did he take? He took. I like, think it was like 20 plus. Might have been 20. <sighs> so yeah, it's there's not really a clear cut. <laughs> the team just needs better. I don't know if it's better players or the right players. And to me, it seems like they need the the right players. To me, I think that's the conversation that I want to have moving forward is is not what's wrong with this team because there's a lot. I think the problem with this team is that we've just seen that this collection of guys isn't it for whatever. I mean, I can't think of of a combination of players that hasn't gotten a legitimate run. I know people will say the Lou Kings, the Nemeas kid, like, we're trying to win games here. Like I, I, though that that's a, that, that is a different game plan. Um, maybe towards the end of the season, we could see that, but if we're trying to win games right now, right now, like we need legit NBA players and NBA stars. Um, and to me, that's where the conversation starts is just, I don't feel like this team has, it, it's, it's got a, 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 a talent cap problem or, or talent ceiling problem where it's like, on a night, to, I mean, look at the look at the teams that are above us in the standings. All of them, and I I will argue this tooth and I don't even think it needs an argument. Have a best player that is better than De'Aaron Fox. Yeah, and I, mean, I think go, that's yeah. I mean that's go to me it. where the conversation starts. It's just on a night to night basis. The Kings are battling an uphill battle because they don't have the best player on the court. Love De'Aaron. He's what he's done as in terms of his progression is great. Unfortunately, it's the wrong situation for him because he's just not good enough yet. We see other stars that are, you know, that have just, I don't want to say more talent, but they're just, they're able to lift their teams up more than De'Aaron has lifted up this team. And it's it's not saying De'Aaron Fox isn't talented, isn't going to maybe be an all-star one day. Is He's just not a 1A star. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that, but for this team, if we want to be a legitimate, like, you know, contender for the playoffs or whatever, whatever you want to contend with, like, if you want to contend for a 10, 8 seed, I think you can settle with De'Aaron Fox being your best player and maybe you can figure it out around him. But where it currently stands right now, like, if you want to be a winning team, this this group of guys needs needs a player that's going to take them there. And uh, they, they clearly just don't have one on their roster because like I said, like I, th- I think every single combination of player has played. Nothing has really risen above the rest of them. Um, I was looking at, you know, some of the, the lineups that they've ran the plus minuses on the lineups they've ran out or the, the, uh, the per 100 possession. And the best lineup with Fox is the, Barnes, Fox, Harkless, Heald, Alex Len lineup, which we've seen it's 20 minutes of um, this season. And it's just it's not like that's that's not going to be the lineup that takes us over the top. No, the, the Kings have a lot of very, in my opinion, good role players. They have mm-hmm. a lot of good players that would be 
a, a contending team like Utah or the Suns or the 76ers should salivate over. When you look at how many good role players they have, but all together, what are they? Mm-hmm. That, that's not really going to be – like you said, there's – De'Aaron Fox, especially if he's not going to be – set the world on fire, yeah. De'Aaron Fox from last year, scoring 34 a game like he did over a 7-8 game stretch last year. This team's not going to win games. It's just point blank, period. They're just not going to win games. The talent and the star – uh, the star aspect when you bring in the the Davion Mitchells, the Paul Georges, uh, the Devin Booker, Donovan Mitchell, Don, Don, uh, Donovan Mitchell. Excuse me, that's Davion. <laughs> yes, uh, I'm, I'm we can talk that, about that later. Putting that in the universe, put the universe. Uh, Donovan <laughs> Mitchells. When these guys are coming in and they're just completely decimate the Damian Lillard's who who came in and had the, the quietest 27, 28 points, like almost effortless. Mm-hmm. I didn't even realize he had twenty eight points because he scored so in within the flow of the game. All these role players the Kings have, uh, Buddy Heald, Harrison Barnes, Tyrese Halliburton is even someone who I would consider a, a – I don't think he's a star talent at the moment. He's a, he's a very high, high uh, top of the rotation talent. Tristan Thompson, Alex Len, Marvin Bagley even back in the rotation. None of these guys are going to be that X factor. They're not going to be the CJ to the Dame, the, the Paul George slash Kawhi Leonard two-headed monster. Even the look at Chicago, a new model of – for them is is Nikola Vucevic, DeMar DeRozan, and then you have Lonzo Ball running point, and of course Zach Levine. Uh, multiple options that can you can go to and say this guy mm-hmm. can be a difference maker. Harrison Barnes was that at the beginning of the season, the first five six games, nine games if you count that. The Kings played well. That isn't that isn't a thing anymore. One because his play fell off, and two because he's injured. Rashawn Holmes. It's it's not realistic to expect him to go out there and get you twenty ten a night. He can do it. He's capable, but you can't expect that from him. That's not his job to get you 20 and 10. His job is, is to protect the rim, pull down 10 rebounds if he can, and, and hit 60 to 70% of those push shots. That's his job. The Kings need that star 30-point-per-night type of talent who is going to be an issue and who opposing teams need to be worried about all times on the floor. And De'Aaron Fox right now, is only that player from within 15 and really not even the entire season was deadly within 10, 15 to 10 feet. Um, that's, that's all the Kings have right now is mm-hmm. De'Aaron Fox going to the paint. He's that player, but on the perimeter mid range has not been the case. The Kings don't have anyone mm-hmm. like that, Buddy he healed streaky Harrison Barnes falling off. So um, that star talent, that star aspect is, is what's killing him. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think I've been workshopping this for a minute, um, and I hope it works because I really like the comparison. But it, the team reminds me a lot of um, that Celtics team from, uh, I think it was Jalen Brown's rookie year, um, where they had Isaiah Thomas, Evan Turner, uh, Al Horford, just a bunch of really average guys. Like there was no one on that roster. I'm going to pull up. I'm going to see if I can find that roster I'm talking about. I, I got it. Uh, I got it right um, here, too. And like that team specifically had no stars. They they were built for depth. They were hoping that they would get Kevin Durant. They eventually got um, uh, what's his name, Gordon Hayward, um, and that ended up being the star that they were hoping for. But it was that Isaiah Thomas um, Isaiah Thomas season where Isaiah just said, "Look, like this team needs a star, and I'll gladly do that for them." 
And it was a team, I'm looking here, Avery Bradley, Jalen Brown, Jay Crowder, Crowder. Gerald Green, Al Horford, uh, Amir Johnson got some minutes on that team. Kelly Olenek was big. Terry Rozier, Marcus Smart, IT. And that's really the guys who got minutes. None of those guys are anything special. You know, obviously, we know Jalen Brown now is probably better than De'Aaron Fox. I I wouldn't even say probably. He is better than De'Aaron Fox. Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart at the time was a young guard, but kind of what we are hoping Davion Mitchell can be in essence of, but he's not even there yet. And I think we'll talk about Davion later. Al Horford is nothing. Be- you know, I-, I love Al Horford. A- Average Al is literally his nickname um, for better or not. You know, people know how good Al Horford are who really know. Um, my bigger point is to exactly like you said, like, I just think the Kings have a bunch of role players and this team is dying for that star that isaiah thomas type guy and i say isaiah thomas because isaiah thomas is not a star we've isaiah thomas is not in the league right now um i'm not that, saying isaiah didn't one year play like, i'm not saying yeah he played that like one year star, totally 30 points per game that year he he single-handedly almost took them to the finals i'm saying this to say De'Aaron fox can be that player they're just not playing like this is the style of play that they would have to play if they want to win is all right yes we have the depth of guys to get us there to get us to keep us in this game but we need that guy if you remember Isaiah Thomas was iconic that season for being king of the fourth they needed that guy who was when things were going down when the team was like all right like we need one guy to get buckets, not trying to figure out everyone that Isaiah was that guy. And the Kings do not have that guy. It was nice to see that guy in the Laker game because I think De'Aaron Fox that game, for whatever reason or not, was taking it personal. And and he really showed. I mean, he was 7 of 11, I think, on his mid-range shots from that game. Um was clearly locked in, was focused, and did not have the same focus coming out in that Grizzlies game where he was 4 of 12. I don't know if that... Ha- to your point, I don't know if that happens if John Moran is playing. Do you think De'Aaron Fox is that disinterested in the game against John Morant that he would go 4 of 12? I guess no. you can't really... His you know. defense also, and I saw people pointing out on Twitter, so I said, okay, let me actually really focus in and just watch only De'Aaron on the defensive end. And... Gives up. He he gives up on plays. I saw it against LA too. He he gives up on plays and maybe it's beat, yeah. saving his energy. I guess. I mean, I I understand that to a, a certain extent, but not enough to. I will support giving up on a play. You can't give up on a play until the play is over. Mm-hmm. Whether that be dead ball or the ball is in the basket, you should not give up on a play. Um, even I know that. So, can we talk about De'Aaron's behavior recently? It's just it's been. Ever since that game, um, and maybe I'm just reading too much into it, but ever since that post-game press conference where he pretty much was like, it doesn't matter, we're not in the playoffs, it's just been a weird vibe. And I don't think, I don't know, I don't want to say like I think he's he's checked out or he, he doesn't want to be here anymore. I, I, I don't want to go that far, but... The way he's acting and the way he's been playing, frankly, recently is not like one who is a franchise player who is the only one who is guaranteed, quote unquote, guaranteed to be here for five more years 
he doesn't seem like the kind of guy who's working every day to turn that around to make five years from now better. Um, it, he well, just seems like a guy who's accepted the situation he's in and is just kind of drowning in it, honestly. Drowning's a good word. I think when you think about it, um, when you're an athlete and you come from a background like these guys come from, as far as being winners, like you win in high school, you win in college, you win AAU, parks, you never lose. Most, I think, basketball players come from a background like that. Not everyone comes to sa- to a situation like Sacramento where you only, only lose. Yeah. You don't get wins. You don't have a, a season where you win 50 games and make the playoffs. You don't run into. No, you just lose. Every year, most nights, you lose. And when you come from that winning background and five years go by, you start to kind of, like you said, you drown in it. You can only tread water for so long. And I think De'Aaron's finally getting tired of treading that water. And it's, it's, he's wearing it on his sleeve. And not even just that, he's saying it to the media. Everyone, he shares the sentiments of every Kings fan that's watched this team for the last 16 years. Every player that's come through here that's gotten fed up. And we've seen it with, Boogie. I was literally about to say, I mean, this sounds so I think this is the exact same thing that happened with DeMarcus. And it drove obviously DeMarcus and De'Aaron are completely different guys and handle it differently, but I think like it made DeMarcus almost more rooted, seemingly. Like it seemed like he took it personal. Like he he was like our team sucks and it's just me and I it's like everything is on me. And he And that's why he was open to coming back. That's why he was open to, to sign that max extension. Mm-hmm. He wanted, he was obsessed with wanting to win, and he felt that was his responsibility as a franchise player, as mm-hmm. the star. I need to win. And De'Aaron has said that before. Mm-hmm. He said it in the media that he he believes it's on him to to bring the the Kings back to the playoffs. I still think he believes that, but I think that how many media days have we seen the team talk about how ex- now it's four or five, how excited they are and the, the talent they brought in. And like the, I think the biggest season before this year was the year they brought in Deadman and Ariza and Corey Joseph, where I think we thought this is the best the roster has looked in so and so years. Okay, that didn't work. Here we go again. The Kings bring in these players. This is the best the roster has looked in so and so years. It's wearing him. It's wearing him down. And I think that he's at a point where he's thinking, I have a whole half decade to go with this. What the hell? So, yeah, I mean, I get, I understand, De'Aaron, what you're feeling, but this is what it is. This is uh, to me the difference, and I, what I would like to see is, you know, like I said, you kind of would see Demarcus be like, all right, like I can't rely on Ben McLemore to pull us out of this game. I can't rely on Darren Carlson. Like I need to get the ball every single time that this ball comes down the court, and he. Yes, it was not the most enjoying play style to watch, but DeMarcus would literally put the like on court would put the game on his back and would say like if we're going to win, it's it's because I dropped 55 and 25. And if we lose, it's going to be because I only dropped 30. Um, and I just don't see that out of Fox. And I know they're going at it in different ways. De'Aaron has been excellent in terms of getting everyone involved he's moving the ball down the court he's trying to push the pace on occasion not every he's definitely not 
um, with his with his legs. But I think he's done a good job of passing the ball forward and starting breaks and and just finding people in general. But we haven't seen and it's been we've been asking for it his whole career. We have not seen the aggression. He's he's finally started to, you know, average around 15 to 20 shots a game. But we're not getting consistently 20 to 25 shots when the team really, you know, in a game like last night where it's like, we have no hope. Like clearly buddy isn't going to shoot us out of this. Like no one's got it. At least go down swinging, go down with our best player shooting 10 of 30, but he ends up with 30 points or whatever. Like it's just, and I understand, I think it's because his jump shot just hasn't developed. I think it's really hindered his development in total, um, but he's just got to find other ways to get to get to be effective because it's it's the team needs it, um, and you know it's not fair to just talk about De'Aaron when you know Tyrese Halliburton has finished in single digits more times than I would ever want him to finish single digits in a season. And I think he's, I think James Ham said, tweeted out yesterday, it's been like single digits in seven of his last 10 games or something like that. Let me, uh, let me get that right. Yeah. And also I think De'Aaron has scored 14 or 12 points or less more times this season than he did in all of last season. And it's only been 20 games, which is, it's just, it's an, it, it can't happen. Both of those things happening at the same time can't happen. Tyree's not scoring the basketball and De'Aaron not scoring the basketball at the same time. That's an automatic loss. You're starting to, you're starting backcourt. Yeah. That, in that six be, of his last nine games, he has finished in single digits. That should be 40 points per game between the two of them. I'm happy with 40 points per game between the two of those guys, and that has to happen every night or, or else the Kings have no chance. It's dumb. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I what I just said about about De'Aaron and his aggressiveness, I feel tenfold for Tyrese. I mean, the fact that he ends up with single digit shots on most nights is is absolutely insane to me. And I know, I mean, not on most nights. I would say most nights he's averaging around ten or twelve. Um, but you know the the amount of shooting that you know I, I hate to pull it, but Davion Mitchell's taking. Um, you know, Buddy Heald kind of has to shoot because, like we've said in the past, he's legitimately our only knockdown, sh- knock quote unquote knockdown shooter, um, or really shooter on the team in general. If he's not taking threes, then I, I you know, we're just not going to end up taking enough to win games. Um, but it's just, it's been a collective effort. I mean, it's it's it sucks that yeah, Rashawn when he has played just hasn't gotten the touches that he's needed. Um, I've liked what I've seen out of Marvin, but he hasn't really made much impact besides that. Uh, was that the Blazer game where he hit the three? Yeah, the game. Yeah, and then he he had a couple big plays down the stretch in L.A. But um, can we, hold on. Also, that just reminded me. While can we go back to De'Aaron for a second sure. because we didn't talk about the ejection. That to was me, such that, a strange... that, that been, like that. That's that to me is is red flag. Like uncharacteristic. I, I wish I had more hands so I could wave more red flags. Yeah, it, it was very uncharacteristic, and I know it wasn't like he didn't freak out and throw things or whatever. But he just isn't that guy. Just un- well, that- it was also just unnecessary, and to the point of like, if you really want to win these games, like it was fourth quarter, six minutes left the game's by no means in anyone's hands and you choose the, and yes, like CJ for sure fouled him. De'Aaron had, De'Aaron was just, he grabbed him, had yeah. his hand back because CJ 
was pulling him. So he had a point, but it's like you are the fran again, like you are the franchise. You have to know we can't win that game with thankfully, obviously they did, but like they're not winning that game eight out of ten times without De'Aaron Fox. And for him to just decide like this 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 tiny call is worth the argument and worth the potential risk of me getting kicked out. It was, it was insane. And Doug was pulling from the sideline. De'Aaron, De'Aaron, get over here. His teammates tried to step in front of him. Marvin was, Marvin was trying to tell him to stop. Like you can see it on Marvin's face. When, when De'Aaron gets kicked out, he's like, like, is this guy serious? Like this guy, is he like, people want to talk about me. And this guy's over here getting kicked out with six minutes to go. The worst part, the, the the worst part, the it's hard to find a worse situation to be ejected from than within the last five, six minutes of a two-possession game when your team has lost four in a row. Yeah. New coach. How about just let somebody else fight that battle for you? Like I it's just it just didn't make sense. And again, to me, like that pointed at like a a bigger and yeah, I, I'm probably again reading too much into it, but like that just it, it whether it's subconscious or he's doing it consciously, like that's, that's not, like you said, that's not him. Like that's a weird decision. It was a weird time for it to happen. And again, like if you care overall about winning, like, and again, De'Aaron's usually able to focus pretty intensely on the game and not worry too much about that. He does talk to refs a lot, but not like that. Um, It was just, it was a strange decision that felt, Again, I don't want to say like he was giving up, but just that's not something you do if you are like, I am locked in on this game and I want to win this game, which also like was a pretty, you know, pretty big win for for Alvin Gentry. If, you know, we're sitting here, if Alvin, if, if they lose that game, Alvin Gentry is one in three and uh, or would that be? One and four, one and three. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he'd be one and three right now if they would only one and three. Lakers. And we're like, well, I mean, not that anything has changed, but um, it it just. I, I think it's pretty clear uh, that nothing nothing has changed. I mean, no, I don't think anything it, will. St- not not to, not going back to him saying starting with the, the the Sixers game where nobody's playing for for Philly, nobody. That that coupled with the Grizzlies loss, just kind of bookend this four game stretch is. Yeah. Chef's kiss. Just wow. Horrible loss with a team that's missing its whole starting lineup with the nice middle part of beating the the Blazers at full health, the Lakers at full health, and then ending it off with the just excitingly horrible 30-point loss last night. It's just what a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful sandwich. It's symbolic a Sacramento Kings sandwich. Just there's not going to there's no end in sight. Yeah. And again, I mean, like if we want to do this thing that we definitely shouldn't do, but the Kings have a relatively easy, easier stretch of games coming up. Quote, quote unquote. Um, I, again, like I don't think anything is going to change. I'm actually pretty confident nothing is going to change with this current group of guys unless something is shaken up in some form of way, but um, they have the Lakers who we just saw two back-to-backs against the Clippers. I'm sorry, a back-to-back against the Clippers. Uh, Then the Magic, Hornets, Cavs, Raptors, Wizards, 
Grizzlies, Spurs, and then they play the Warriors again. Um, honestly, it's just it's it's not the, the whole month isn't that difficult. The month of December isn't terribly difficult, but for this team, like we just can't we we cannot anticipate any wins. Like I mean, for sure, like I said, like we don't have a better player than just about any other team that's above us in the West. At least we're playing some East teams, but um, I just I, I don't I don't expect anything to change in terms of win loss. I would expect them to probably play about five hundred against these bad teams. Yeah, and I said but, it last night on Twitter that it, the excuse is there's a lot of season left, and I'm not using it as a crutch, but I will say, yeah, there's a lot of season left, and that's that's the if there is a silver lining to the season is I know things are doom and gloom, but to put on my optimistic hat that there's a lot of time left. I don't know if the Kings are going to be in the playoffs uh, come April, the plan, but what is there? 60 games left, 59 games left, 61 games left. There's 61 games left and they're, they're two back of the 10 spot and it's not going to be an easy road for a lot of these teams. The Lakers are dysfunctional. Aside from the Kings game, they're 500. They're, they have so many glaring issues. Minnesota, are they for real? Maybe. They kind of scare me a little bit. And then Denver's just lost Michael Porter Jr. for the year. And they don't have Jamal Murray. So Or Jokic at the moment. Jokic is out at the moment, too. There, there's there's going to be opportunity. But I'm looking at this, and right now the Kings... <laughs> 11 and 11 spot finish seems so likely to me, but yeah, anything can change. Basketball is such a weird sport as far as the Kings seemed far out of the plan last year. And then they had that great stretch where they won five of seven. And then they were literally a half game, one game out. It only takes one good stretch to get you back into or take you completely out of a season mm-hmm. um, at that point in the year. So they need to get to a point though, where they feel confident in this roster Confident in in their their scheming, confident in De'Aaron Fox leading this team come January, February, or else, yeah, they're not going to be there. And that's when it's going to be time to sell, which is something I know nobody wants to do is tear it down completely and sell. But we're at that point where the roster is not working. And if it doesn't start working immediately, as in now, we could see people moved. Harrison Barnes, Buddy Heald, Marvin Bagley. We talked about it last week. I think Rashawn Holmes probably has a lot of value out there with his deal. Um, I think December 17th is the date where people that have signed new contracts can be traded, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's that's a rough start date three weeks from now. Where are the Kings? Where are they going to be? Are they going to mm. be six games out of the 10 spot? Are they going to be a game out still and in the thick of it? Um, these are things that need, that need to unfold before we can really say this needs to happen now, now, now. But I know that for sure we said Monty McNair's on the clock with Brendan last week. The clock's ticking. It's ticking for a lot. It's ticking for a lot of people right now. It's ticking for a lot of people on the team because this team could look a lot different come the new year. Yeah, that's a, yeah. I think it's it's kind of the new year. That's the benchmark. And I think the team has kind of found a new way of living in purgatory with this 11 seed where I don't think if I had to guess, I don't think anyone below them at the moment will eventually catch up. Like OKC is the 12 seed right now. They're uh, a 
a game behind the Kings. I, you know, the Kings obviously lost to OKC. I just don't, I don't think OKC's prerogative is to win games. Uh, the Spurs are just bad. Again, I know the Kings lost to them, but Spurs are bad. I don't think they'll end up catching the Kings. Pelicans are terrible. Even when Zion comes back, I don't think that's going to make a 15 game swing no. or something like that. And the Rockets, of course, are just trying to lose as many games as possible. I say that I don't think the Kings are going to move down. But again, I'm not entirely so certain it's going to be so easy to move up because everyone above them does have playoff aspirations. And like I said, the Kings do not unless injuries happen, um, you know, Memphis, if jaws out for an extended period of time, maybe they can slip off. But we just saw that they're still a decent team without him. Denver's already in that situation and they're still managing to to stay afloat. And I don't think Jokic will be out for that long. Um, and they expect Murray to come back at some point this season. Um, Lakers have the talent. They'll, they won't fall below the Kings. I wouldn't think T wolves, maybe again, like if cat misses some time, that would be pretty devastating for them, but they're kind of, again, another team like the Suns last year that seems to have lapped the Kings in a rebuild. How about Dallas? I mean, Dallas, there's a lot of fragility within the top 10 of the Western Conference. If Luka goes out, and I'm not wishing ill will on anybody. I just want to clarify that right now. I'm just saying there's no assurances in the NBA you're going to have your your players healthy. We know it. Last year, the Kings lost De'Aaron Fox and Harrison Barnes and Tyrese Halliburton at the most critical time. They might have made the play-in if they had all those guys healthy. They might have made the play-in. The Kings missed it by just two games, and they had they had control of their own destiny at a certain point. Um, but you look at it, Portland, another team. I'm I'm not so sure that the Kings aren't a better team than Portland right now. That might be a hot take, but I feel that the Kings match up with them very well. And especially when you look at the fact, you know, Portland's 9-1 at home, and they're 1-9 on the road. <laughs> That's not great. It's definitely not great. I just, I don't know. I feel like it's, it's tough to say that the Kings are better than anybody. Like other teams, again, like they at least have the bailout of like, we have Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. Like, I'm pretty sure if things really hit the fan, like we can, I'm, I'm, I would feel a lot more confident in those horses to finish off the race than, than the Kings do. I just think the King, I mean, I, yeah, I, I don't necessarily think, I agree with you that I think talent wise, like, yeah, like I would much rather have whatever Harrison Barnes over Nasir Little at the moment, but, um, and yeah, Rashawn over Nurkic, all that stuff. But I just think also those guys have the experience. Like the Dame, <laughs> they just, the, the, well, the Dame factor, the same thing we just talked about the star, yeah. the star player that's capable of just putting the game away and taking over, you know, fourth quarter closing time. Yeah, they have Damian Lillard, and yeah. until De'Aaron Fox proves he can be that guy, that's the difference. And De'Aaron was that guy against the Lakers. That's exactly what we needed: mm-hmm. thirty-four points, hitting big shots down the stretch, knocking down mid-range jumpers, attacking offensively and efficiently. That's the kind of player the Kings need, and that player has disappeared so many times. He disappeared yeah. against Philly. He disappeared <clears throat> yesterday. Everyone disappeared against against Memphis yesterday. Yeah. I don't even want to. I'm wiping that game from my memory. Um. So, I just yeah. I don't, I feel like the Kings just couldn't beat anyone who's currently above them in a seven game series. Like, there's nobody. There's not a single team that I would take. Like Minnesota would probably be the most even odds that I would see. And even then, I just I I 
feel like Minnesota would have the talent advantage. And maybe I'm just being a pessimistic Kings fan, but I, I feel like that's just it. It wouldn't be the, the stars wouldn't align. No pun intended. I, I think slight the, pun intended. The closest odds would probably be Minnesota and Portland in that order, and then yeah. I, maybe Memphis. But yeah, I, I agree. I don't think the Kings would win a seven game series against anyone ahead of them at the moment. Um, and, I and that's they, key too. Is also at the moment because yeah, it, but the like team is said, playing about as poorly as they could possibly play right now as they, a, as a group. The 11th seed purgatory, like you said, because I, I I don't think they could be anyone ahead of them in a seven game series. But I almost know yeah. they would they would be anyone beneath them in yeah. a seven game series, which is such a weird spot for this team to be in. Which is where I think that they need they did a shake up with the coach, firing Luke Walton. I think that's gonna that's fine. It's great. Team's still the same. Mm-hmm. They need a shake up. They need a roster shake up. They need a big move. I don't know what that big move is or how it's gonna happen. Is it a? Is it a, they switch up the guards? Do they get rid of Buddy Heald, bring in somebody else to come off the bench? Do they they trade Mo Harkless, future for Harrison Barnes? I don't know. Do they trade their forwards and, and cash in for something else? I don't know what that looks like. That's up to Monty McNair. What the team needs, though, for sure, in my mind, is more depth at the wing because as we've seen, starting Chemezi Metu is just not going to cut it. It's not going to cut it. I know it's fun. People on Twitter, we have fun with it. Oh, Chemezi. He's fun to watch I mean, when, he, when he's dunking the ball. That's great. It's not fun to watch when the Kings have nobody else to go to and it's late in the game and Shemezi Metu is just getting abused on defense. It's not going to work. Mo Harkless and Shemezi Metu are not long-term solutions for depth. It's funny because um, I, I feel like Mo was mainly taken out because he just wasn't hitting – he wasn't hitting his threes that he was being given – um, Chemezi is taking every three that he sees and he is also missing all of them. He's shooting 25% from three on 4.7 attempts a game. I, wanna... I, can't, I can't even begin to explain how wrong that is. And if you even want to add in Terrence Davis into that wing, he plays a little small forward here and there too. He's completely forgotten how to... I don't want to say play basketball. No, he's forgotten how to play basketball. I don't know what he has now twice been called on a full court to the rim charge. I don't know what he saw the first time when he did it in sack. I can't remember what game it was, but I specifically remember him doing the same exact thing. And then he just go. I think it's literally the first play of the game. He has a fast break, runs straight into the defender, could have dumped it off. I, I think it was to – it doesn't matter who it was to. He could have dumped it off like so easily. Tunnel but instead vision. just does some ridiculous scoop layup, runs – you know, he's like 12 feet in the air, puts his knee in someone's face and gets a charge. And it was like, bro, like what are you doing? It's so weird watching Terrence Davis because he comes in and I feel like he's always a good start, like he, a good starter. Like he comes out and starts the game off very well. Hits a three, quick three, gets Couple four assists. assists. I think the other day he got like four assists before he in, even took a shot. In like three minutes. Yeah. Look, looks great. And I don't know if it's you get those wheels turning a little bit and you're feeling confident and then you start saying, okay, I'm going to keep chucking or I'm going to keep doing it. It's going to fall. Buddy is is like that as well. But Terrence Davis was one of nine from three against the Lakers. Four of 15 from the field. One of four from three. One of five from three. It, it just down the line. The player we saw last year has not been the player we're seeing 
this year, which brings me to the point where we thought the Kings were so deep at those at with Terrence Davis, Mo Harkless, uh, even Chimezie Metu in the third string. I think Terrence Davis and Mo Harkless are pretty decent bench pieces, but bench but bench pieces that you only have to go to in emergencies. They're in my mind not fifteen to twenty minute per night guys. Not anymore. Yeah. Not right now. Last year, yeah, Terrence Davis would have been a top of the rotation guy. That player is not here right now. Mm-hmm. Not here. Yeah, and same with Mo. I mean, Mo was scoring. I mean, Mo was at least getting like eight points a game, something like yeah. that last year when he was playing. He was a part of the offense. I remember Mo had a couple dunks. He wasn't – I think he shot like 35% or something like that from three, which by no means is great, but also like at least he's hitting one a game. Um but yeah, I mean, we we just haven't seen Mo give us anything on offense this year. Chemezi hasn't given us anything. Um, it's interesting to me that Marvin, you know, Marvin hasn't been lights out by any stretch of the imagination, but I think Marvin's probably clearly been the best option in terms of, you know, scoring and giving you at least something consistently um, at the four. His defense obviously is an issue. Um, He's only wild but, card. He's only wild card right now. I think that could run into Terrence Davis, I thought, was that player too that could run into a 25 point game but marvin's that guy right now where my thing is like i think you know you're gonna if you're gonna start why why start chemezi like why not start marvin give marvin that little like it we all know it doesn't mean a lot but it gives you just that much more confidence and i feel like if we're giving out this much and people can't see but i'm doing a minuscule little tiny fingers if he can give you that much more confidence, I would rather give that tiny boost of confidence to Marvin over Chemezi, who would also get this much confidence just from playing. Like, he just needs to play to get that confidence. Marvin needs to start to get that confidence. If Marvin's going to come off the bench, he's going to feel like it's kind of like an admonishment, like he's being punished. If Chemezi's coming off the bench, he's going to be like, at least I'm playing. This is my opportunity. You give Marvin the start, he'll say the same thing. It's just kind of about perspective. I don't know. Like, if you're just going to play Marvin, you know, if, or if you're just going to do the Metu thing and play him 10, 12, 20 minutes, why not just do that for Marvin? I don't know. Yeah, just, why, like, start, why start the game? They they dig themselves into these holes almost every game where mm-hmm. they – people talk about the third quarter being rough. A lot of the first quarters, they go down early. And, and they, they, they battle back, sure. But why do, do – we have to do that every night or most nights is battle back from a seven, eight, nine point mm-hmm. deficit in the opening stretch of a game. Why do we have to do that? Why can't we just put a better, put forward, a better yeah. unit on the floor and start off, you know, more even, or maybe, maybe crazy have a lead. That's, that'd be kind of crazy. That's insane. That'd be insane. Well, just, just to lose it though. Just to lose like, it. We, we don't, I don't want to keep it. That'd be crazy. No. Who wants to do that? So, yeah. Uh, the Chemezi experience has been uh, it hasn't been great. So that's what I would expect. I mean, he, I just he he comes in and people liked him when he came off the bench because he wasn't afraid to take shots. And then he gets more minutes and he's still not afraid to take shots. Except now it's a bad thing. I don't. It's just. It, it's too much of a good thing, I guess, is what is is what people would an optimist, I guess, would say. But I just think like he was never fit to be in that role. I mean, Chemezi's a fine player. It's sometimes just because you can't. I say this all the time, and it 
it relates so much about just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do something, especially at an NBA level. Like at an NBA level, like people are so elite. And we just need you, like you said with Rashawn Holmes, all I need you to do, protect the rim, grab 10 rebounds, hit 60 to 70% on, on your push shot that you're great at. Besides that, I don't need Rashawn Holmes taking threes just because you can. You know, it would be great if a case, you know, you don't have to be a knockdown shooter, but if it's there, take it. That's fine. If he doesn't take it, that's even better. You know why? Because if Rashawn Holmes is taking that three, then that means Buddy Heald or Tyrese Halliburton or Harrison Barnes isn't taking that three. And again, like Luke, right before he was fired, was talking about knowing your personnel, knowing to not let the 40% shooter in the corner open and leave the 25% shooter open. That's what teams are doing with Shemezi Metu. They're like, for sure, dude. Like, we'll leave you wide open for the longest possible three point. He loves that wing three. He takes like it all the time. The Nemanja Bielitsa threes. It's like very – like, it. why, why are I you doing that? I would much rather have Shemezi Metu take that shot with 16 seconds left on the shot clock than have you guys run around, run some sort of play to get Buddy healed. Even this barely enough space. To sh- I would much rather have Shemezi Metu take that shot with 16 seconds than – for you guys to find a shot for Buddy Heald or whoever it be, because I can live with that shot. I can't live with you guys just working to get Buddy an open three. Like, Running a play. It's it's just, I don't know. To me, like it's stuff like that where it's like you guys are you guys are just digging your own hole because you're not again, like it's why De'Aaron needs to be featured so heavily in the offense. It's like you're wasting not wasting. It's just <laughs> Darren is better than these guys. Like he should be taking a majority of the shots. It's just the math. It's the reason why you take more threes than twos. It's because your good guys shoot higher percentages and they're more likely to make the shots than the other guys. And if it's if it gives you 0.2% of an advantage, you need to take that 0.2% of advantage because you might need it. And the Kings are playing with margins already with, you know, with hoping that all of their guys play well on a nightly basis. And uh, I don't know. It's, I'm, I feel like I'm rambling now, but no, like I said, team's, I, team's got a lot of issues. I agree. And I said at the beginning, it's going to be event session because we took the night off for this reason. Yeah, We're, it's <laughs> tough right now. And I totally agree. Darren should be taking these shots. People are complaining about what well, Darren keeps shooting. Yeah. I want him to keep shooting. Yeah. Until we are sure yeah. he is not the guy that we think he is. I think he mm-hmm. is that guy still. I'm not ready to throw him a towel on De'Aaron Fox yet, but that doesn't mean I'm ready for other people like Chemezi Metu and and Terrence Davis and others to go out and just start saying, okay, well, De'Aaron's not playing well, so I'm just going to start doing my own thing. No, no. The team will not be successful unless De'Aaron Fox is De'Aaron Fox, the one that we saw last year, the player we saw last year. Yeah. Harrison Barnes, the team, they're in, they need him back. He's probably mm-hmm. questionable for tomorrow. Need him back and his impact on the floor. His absence has been completely noticeable. Mm-hmm. And, and and Rashawn Holmes, as as well as I think I, I have seen Alex Len and Damian Jones play, Rashawn Holmes has been missed. And Tristan Thompson's played well, too. I want to give him some some love, too. Um. But I'm intrigued to see tomorrow if if two of those guys come back or three of them. I, I think we're more likely to get Rashawn and Mo, Mo back than Harrison tomorrow. Um, mm-hmm. I'm intrigued to see what the rotation looks like because yeah. it needs a shakeup. Whether it, you bring in new players or 
the d- different formula because whatever you got going right now is just not working. Yeah, and we've talked about it in the past too. Like Rashawn and Harrison are they're not the the best players on the team, but they're probably the most valuable in terms of us winning. Like if you want to the 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 minutes where they're healthy and they're not on the floor, the Kings cannot figure out how to play winning basketball. I mean, it obviously Harrison is is a positional need for the Kings. They just, you know, besides Mo, they don't have anyone with his size. Um but the the things that they do on the court are are paramount for the Kings to be successful and honestly for them to I I know, you know, they they both haven't missed all these games for for them to be 2 and 2 in their last 4 pretty much without them for the last 2. So they finished 500 with them, but um or without them like that's that's something i mean if if you were to tell me that out of context i probably would be like okay like that's that's i would expect them to get blown out by 27 points every night if if they don't have those guys so there's at least that but uh, you know then you add the context to it and it uh it does hurt a little bit more and and the main thing we wanted to see going into friday against uh philly was effort because you see the the weekend the Kings had against uh, Utah and who else did they play where they got killed? Toronto. Toronto. Um, yeah. That, 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 the effort just was not there. And, and of course, the, the Puke-Walton game and then Luke gets fired. <laughs> Puke-Walton. Um, the Puke-Walton game. Uh, we wanted effort. The team just put forward a great effort every night. And they, they the effort on Friday against Philly wasn't really that. It was a close game that they let go not excusable, but Portland and Los Angeles were games where you could see the effort. You could see just the guys out there playing basketball, trying to make plays, hustling, defending. Uh, the game against LA especially was one of the funnest basketball games I've watched the Kings play in a long time because they were just it was like a college game watching these guys just every living and dying on every play, just playing their their asses off. And yesterday against Memphis reverted back to that Toronto Utah state. So it's I'm very intrigued to see what tomorrow looks like against the Lakers who, you know, the Lakers are going to come in, mm-hmm. they're going to want their revenge. I'm assuming everyone's going to be playing from tomorrow. They're off today. Everyone played for them last night. So I'm very intrigued to see if if we're going to continue this pattern of, oh, we're going to play tonight. Oh, tonight we're going to take it off. Oh, we're going to play tonight. It's just it, it's it's an ongoing 2-3 game stretch of wow they look like complete <laughs> ass and then oh wow they're they're look like a good team against portland la it's like this they're beating playoff teams so yeah uh tomorrow we'll see what we pull out of the mixed bag but i would expect some effort tomorrow just because i mean the the, the correlation that i feel like is in those in that philly game and in that memphis game we already mentioned it but their stars didn't play stars and their best players didn't play uh, and I feel like way too often this has happened with Kings teams in the past where, like we said, we, we've already talked about this, but when when there isn't the need or it feels like the need to give it your 100% because you're like, oh, it's all right. We can beat we can beat a, a, a low, you know, a, a <coughs> excuse me. King, the Kings are killing my guy. The Kings are Sorry, killing yeah, my guy. They are. I'm, I'm choking like they are. Um, you know, we can beat we can beat a Philly team that doesn't have Embiid and Harris and uh, did, I don't think Seth played that game. Like we can beat a Memphis team without Jaw, and you know we don't have to give our hundred percent. 
and against the Blazers, who obviously have CJ and Dame, that's some that's some required effort level. Obviously, the Lakers with their star power in Staples Center, you're going to get people who who want to show out. I noticed that uh, Marvin Bagley after that game had a few friends who were posting clips of him. So, you know, obviously, I feel like that's a that's a common thing when you play in L.A. is to have you know, some of your friends come out and watch you ball out in, in Staples, soon to be Crypto.com Arena. The, um, the, the Crypt? The Crypt. Yes, the Crypt. Um, I say all this to say I would expect effort against the Lakers, who, like you said, will probably come in uh, full-handed and ready to go. And that crowd, as we know, will probably... Hold on, Frank. Let's talk about this. All right. Yeah. What, what crowd? It's going to be... So this uh, arena... It's a, ro- it's a road game. It, this arena that we've been to called Golden One has been, if we're being generous, you know, let's not even be generous. If I had to go eyeball, generous. I would say it's about maximum 70% at capacity. Yeah. Um, You know, on a given night. And obviously, you know, Warrior games, Laker games tend to be 50-50 split regardless, if not 55 towards the other team. I would expect this game to be a sold out and be about 70% Laker fans. Yeah. I'm looking, I'm going to look at the tickets right now and to see how, how many are available and just kind of see, I mean, I mean, yeah, I don't think there's that many available as usual. Yeah. I mean, I, I would agree. I think tomorrow will be, and I say quote sellout because I think the Kings kind of consider it a sellout if it's over, 97 like or 90% maybe. Um I would expect a sellout. I expect it to be the most attended Kings game so far this year. It'll be loud. But that's not really a good thing because like you said 55 to 60% of those people will be Lakers fans. I'm going higher. I think this one will yeah, be Yeah. I think it'll be like 70% maybe. Mm-hmm. Um which is great for having people in the building and and I'm sure great for the Kings cashing in. Good for you guys. That's fun. Um, everyone, please be safe. I, we I remember what happened last time. I think fight. that was for was that for summer league when that was for uh, summer league. Yeah, for summer league, we saw a fight happen right in front of us or get taken to the concourse. They it probably started in front of us. They, they probably scrapped outside. Yeah, for sure. Um, just don't. I mean, like Laker fans are very annoying in person. They're very loud and and want to I, make I never you feel bad that. about your choice. I never of, said that of not picking the Lakers specifically, but. Why so? Why so loud? Why? Why do you have to? Why do you have to announce yourself? It's just. It's part of. It's part. It's honestly just part of the, the, L.A. fandom. It just kind of is like the, I've never the, we're, ever. We're, we're just better. Like w- people want to be with us. Like oh, like ooh. People don't openly like root for your team. Like stars don't root to be on your team. Ugh, embarrassing. Like that's how it is. Like it's really like it's just the, it's it's the only sense of community LA has. How about that? Can I throw some shots? It's the only thing that binds all of those places together. I've always had an issue with Southern California of like it's like when people say the Bay. Granted, you know we all know there's a whole Sacramento isn't the Bay thing. That's not what this is about. But um, it's like I was just in Long Beach for Thanksgiving. Had a great time. Beautiful city. It's still considered L.A. Like if I were to live in Long Beach or and come here, I would say like, oh, yeah, I'm from L.A. Not, it's got its own name. It's its own place. It's not L.A. like L.A. It might be L.A. County. I don't know. I'm ignorant to these things. But 
it's just not LA. And so when you're a Laker fan in Long Beach and you're meeting up with a Laker fan in, in I don't know, Valencia, I don't know, Southern California cities, it's a unifying thing. And uh, I don't know. They just all like to feel like they're in the best place. Because let me tell you, like I said, I was there last week for Thanksgiving. It was 80 degrees. It was crazy. <laughs> I live in Sacramento. And it was not. It's not 80 degrees when I get home. So uh, I get like it. 50. I understand why you think you're better than everyone. Because honestly, if I were if I were there, I would probably feel the same, too. I'd be like, people are messing up not being part of us. It's just part of it. I don't know. But the people that are out here aren't from there. They live here. They live Very here. True. And that's the troll of it all. It's like, yeah, like, why are you? I don't know. They just like to piss us off. They're just but trolls. It's also like, like LA fans are all just trolls. Dodger fans are the same. Every Dodger fan I know is is a troll. Every Lakers, Lakers fan good. I know is a troll. The Lakers have only been good for the past, you know, 30, 40 years because of geography. There's no other reason. Well, they're also why. just like they're not like they don't function in the same universe as other fans. Like these are guys that when, you know, they were, they had smush Parker or whatever. I'm not going to even say then like they were, they had Lonzo ball and Julius Randle and they were still making graphics about AD and Westbrook coming to the Lakers. We were talking about Spider-Man, how I was up till 1am buying Spider-Man tickets, which by the way, that was crazy. Multiverses. Lakers fans (laughs) live in their own multiverse where, Every they put all these players in these these like I, I told the story before, but that friend I had in college that had a screensaver, and again it came true. But yeah. ten years later, with Carmelo Anthony, Russell Westbrook, yeah. AD, like LeBron, all these guys. This is in 2013 though, and here we are eight mm-hmm. nine years later. Great, it came true, but they're all geriatric now. Yeah. So uh, delusional, delusional, delusional fans. Well, it's like um, uh, it's like. Uh... Oh, man, I'm, I'm not even going to make that comparison because I'll sound ignorant. But I was going to say it's like technology where like for a while, technology's biggest hurdle was they just weren't thinking in numbers that were big enough. Like it was like, oh, yeah, like I don't I see again, like I here I am being pixels on a TV like, oh, we can have groupings of pixels. And now they have TVs that literally every single pixel is its own light as opposed to like. Oh, we're gonna pixel it off in square, square, square. It's like, yeah, I don't know where this comparison was coming from, but uh, the Lakers are like <laughs> that somehow. <laughs> I love oh, it. I love they, it. I love you know, it. other franchises just don't think like, yeah, like in three years, like the Kings, like we'll just, you know, like I think Giannis will be a free agent, and then Jokic will be a free agent, and they'll be that like, was a thing. Sacramento would be a good spot, right? Like, don't you remember that was a thing? And Warriors fans are are, are not innocent in that either. But, no, oh, oh no. Giannis, Giannis is coming to you. shut yes. the hell. Light years up. ahead, bro. Light years ahead. He's keeping himself in snowy Wisconsin because he doesn't want to play for your dumb franchise. All right, now yes. I'm getting all. Yeah, now we're getting better. Let's go to award. Let's let's let's. We're, we're they, 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 they win, we lose, so we're angry. And yeah, that's the truth, I guess. But whatever. Yeah, winners. People, yeah, this is what they want. This is what Laker fans and Warrior fans want is for us to be mad at them for being successful. You broke us. Congratulations. Yeah, I hope you're happy. Um. Yeah. Let's go to awards. Let's let's let's, let's slowly this. wrap this up, and we'll start we'll start talking about some funner stuff. Um. Yeah. Let's keep the negativity going, actually, first, and we'll go we'll go with the Coke machine of the week first. We'll start with that. Yeah, and then we'll roll on positivity. Um. Boy, I don't even know. 
Um, you know what? I'm going to give my Coke machine award to, and this is, wow, I'm doing levels with this. I'm going to give the Coke machine the, the dormant award to De'Aaron Fox. De'Aaron Fox is clutch gene. Um, I am going to say that this man, we forgot. He, he, he let us forget how amazing he is in the clutch and to see in that Laker game, him just come alive, answer every shot, every every bucket the Kings needed. He had an answer for his mid range was lethal. His step back, he was getting to his shot. He looked comfortable. He looked like he knew it was going in. Um, I'm gonna put my Coke machine on De'Aaron Fox clutch gene for just literally just doing nothing not, for the past. Not coming out sooner. Yeah, just not coming out for the past however long it's been since we've seen it. So Coke machine, De'Aaron Fox clutch gene. <laughs> I, I'm going to go ahead and give mine to Terrence Davis just because he was such a hyped up like piece when the Kings re-signed him. Oh, my God, he played so well last year, and he did. He played so yep. well last year to end, to end the season, and I think we all were expecting a lot out of him. Kind of, I, I think I compared him to a Bobby Jackson-type role at the end of last season because that's kind of the impact that he had. He was picking up steals, knocking down threes, hustling on the court all times. That player is gone. Now I'm looking at like a Ramon Sessions type <laughs> player that is just kind of running around with his head cut off like a chicken. And <laughs> Ramon Sessions. Ramon, that was also a move when they had him as starting point guard. That was a King's deep cut for you. Um, but Terrence Davis has had his chance to, to insert himself into this rotation, to insert himself back into the fold and be a player that gets 20 to 25 minutes per game. He could have been that guy. But instead, when Harrison Barnes and Moharkles come back, he probably will be out of the rotation. So yeah. TD gets my Coke machine of the week because he had his opportunity. He had one shot, everything he ever wanted, and he blew it. It's a shout-out hmm. to eight, eight Mile Soundtrack. <laughs> so shady. Yeah, so he is my Coke machine of the week. Cook machine of the week. All right. Let's get positive now and we'll go to king of the week. Um, this is generally not how I would go with this king of the week because frankly, I mean, he just hasn't been anything spectacular, but I'm going to go with Marvin Bagley just because he, we have seen him. He has not been horrible, especially that blazer game was, was a great game for him to, to hit those, uh, I think he hit two threes in that game. He obviously had the game sealer um, in the corner. Just just really, really big game for Marvin Bagley. I'm glad that, I mean, it was definitely his most impactful game um, in terms of winning as a king. Uh, and it was just good to see him seem like he was excited and, and part of the team for, for a night. You know? Yeah, here, here in that moment, he that was his moment, his like king's moment, and we talk yeah. about the th- the three sixty dunk, but that wasn't a blowout win. This was a clutch game winning, game sealing moment for Marvin Bagley, and I it warmed my heart to see it. I have to say, <laughs> it made me happy because I think that's like one of the moments that we envisioned him having when we drafted him. It was a, it was a great moment for him, and it was cool to to, to see him have success that night. When I, I know you can't even imagine how good that had to have felt for him. Yeah. So yeah, I, that's, that's well, a well well deserved award. And then the next the next game uh, against the Lakers, finishing it off with, I'm going to say it's 
for me, it's my favorite game of his career in terms of the, the overall things he did. I mean, for him in overtime to be guarding LeBron, it you know, it it was a back and forth battle, if you will. Um, LeBron got the better of him as as you would expect to happen. But there was, I mean, obviously the possession where Marvin got the offensive foul drawn on LeBron. That was great. He stayed down. There was a couple other possessions where he, he stayed at least in front of LeBron and made him pass it. That is that is huge. Um, and then for him to finish off with 13, seven, and I swear this has to be his career high of four assists. It, it was, it was a career high the, career high. I, I can't, I just, I can't, I, if Marvin Bagley were to average 13, seven and four for the rest of his career, he would be, Chris, he would be one but, of my favorite kings of all. But time. it took, it took three overtimes to get four assists. Though. You know, <laughs> hey, quarters, hey, or seven, seven quarters. Hey, don't matter. Marvin did it in a full game's worth of – it was 34 minutes. That's what I'm looking at. Um, It's not like, you know, Darren played like 50 minutes or something like that, that game. Um, I would just – if if Marvin could – obviously, he was 5 of 5, very efficient. Um, I just really love that game from him. So I'm going to give it my my king of the week to Marvin Bagley for for officially – what is this? Three years later, being a part of the Sacramento Kings franchise. Yeah. Yeah, you know, better late than never, and yep. we'll, we'll never see where he goes. Better, we'll see where he, yeah, exactly, and we'll see where he goes after this uh, with Marv. But uh, my king of the week, Damian Jones, just because how well mm. he's he's played and every appearance he's had this season been very limited, but he's shooting seventy percent from the field in the season per thirty six, fourteen points, eleven rebounds per game, and one point five blocks. It, he's played well in every game that he's he's appeared in. Uh, he he definitely is someone I I feel I'm like I'm pretty high on him. I think he could be a backup center in the future, maybe in the next year or two. If the Kings retain him, he's a guy I feel comfortable having on the roster just as a deep big, kind of like the Costa Kufis. Um, what would the Kings wanted Costa Kufis to be behind Boogie, kind of like a in, with Willie, like a second third option uh, off the bench, um, because as well as Tristan Thompson has played. I do not understand why the Kings are paying nine plus million dollars for Tristan Thompson when they do have Damian Jones. It just kind of seems like a waste of money having two players that are pretty similar. Uh, I know Tristan's a guy that gets in their bruises and he's played well, but I feel like the Kings have, that's a, I've been watching that a lot and thinking, well, there's a reason why Damian's not playing because they're the same thing. And Tristan has a little more bite to him. Um, But Damian's played very well. And I just, I think that the Portland game was really fun to watch too. Unlikely heroes in that game, Bagley and Damian, just coming coming up huge down the stretch, uh, winning that game. So, Damian and Marvin, congrats! <laughs> Who would their, guess? Their, their first ever King of the Weeks. I, I, I imagine. Only. Yeah, probably only. Are you on Basketball Reference already? I am on Basketball Reference, and I'm noticing it changed from earlier. It changed too. I, I, uh, it changed over the last like 15 minutes. Yeah, we seem to always be recording as they are changing their their basketball reference. Davion Mitchell's on here. <laughs> Davion Mitchell know. is on here. Um, there's a lot of options. I mean, we have. I'll, I'll break it down for everyone. Obviously, who doesn't know, this is a segment uh, called we like to call basketball b-ball reference roulette, um, where we go on basketballreference.com. On the left hand side of the screen, there's always uh, what is it, ten, twelve 
12 random NBA players throughout history that uh, basketball reference will randomize. And me and Frankie decide to just take one of those 12 and uh, whatever, whatever conversation spawns, spawns from uh, spawns from one of those people. Um, today's options, you know, just some of the bigger names, just so people are clued in and maybe we're also still kind of deciding which one we're going to pick. There's Norris Cole, who obviously was, uh, was part of the Miami heat for like two seasons in their championship window. Um, was was a pretty decent player. Um, didn't last much long. Gordon Drogic, who obviously just, um, just was announced yesterday that he will be taking time off personal time off from the Rockets. Uh, Davion Mitchell. Obviously, well-known Sacramento Kings rookie Chris Mullen. We could definitely, definitely do something on Chris Mullen if we uh, if we wanted. Obviously, that has some franchise ties. Um, Dylan Al Brooks, Harring- who, Dylan Brooks just gave us buckets. Al Harrington, love me some Al Harrington. Jamichael Green, which uh, any of those guys sticking out to you? Yeah, I mean Chris Mullen is because of the. It just intrigues me what – I mean, as a player, I mean, we're kind of moving past him as a player. He was a great Hall of Famer. We all know that. Oh. But as as a front office – I don't know what the right word is. Assistant? Help, guy. Helper? Front office uh, guy. What did he even do here? Um, well, from what I understand – Buddy from the Warriors. Yeah. From what I understand, he was a basketball mind that was trusted by Vivek for sure. Um, grew, I believe, to be like Pete Del Sandro's right hand man. It was either that or it was forced upon him. I, 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 James Ham would definitely be the person to know these things. Um, and pretty much what happened was Chris Mullen wanted power. He wanted to be the head coach. Um, I don't think he wanted I, if I remember correctly it wasn't GM it was coach that he wanted to be um, or they wanted to put him in at coach which was why Malone was fired um, but then it kind of all got leaked out that what was happening behind the scenes and uh, it just kind of never ended up materializing Chris Mullen ended up being the St. John's basketball coach and really didn't do anything with that program. And uh, I think now he's back probably in an, adv- in an advisor role. If I had to guess, probably with the Warriors. But Yeah, um, I, I think that – didn't he get kind of peeved at Vivek going with Vladi over yes. himself? And that's when he yeah. said, okay, well, I'm just going to leave then. Yeah. He was so. definitely not thrilled with, with Vladi. It, it was definitely always like a uh, – a push pull kind of thing. Um, I'm trying to see if there's any, there's not really much like on record stuff about that. Really just that whole era of Kings basketball. Um, but yeah, I mean, Chris Mullen really, I mean, he, he definitely for three or four years seemed like he was going to have some real influence with, with, uh, with the organization. Um, Funny enough, I always thought it was funny that like, yeah, I mean, the Kings essentially for a minute were were leaning pretty heavily on Mitch Richmond and Chris Mullen, who were kind of like the two most popular warriors for like a really long period of time. Obviously run TMC like they were they were two big parts of that TMC. Um, well, the, uh, the long going thing with Vec is he's, he was a minority owner with the Warriors and he's kind of obsessed with 
you know, Mitch turning the turning the Kings into the Warriors, and it's just not yeah. going to happen. It just wasn't ever going to happen. I mean, it was they they really wanted it to happen, but it was it was just never going to happen. Um, and I think they've kind of given up on that. But you know, even last week we were talking with Brendan about when uh, when they fired Luke, and I think that I mean I think there's still a possibility that. You know, once they if if they ever do hit a reset button, that the reset button is let's become the Warriors. Especially just with with, you know, De'Aaron's lack of shooting ability, I could definitely see them being like, well, we saw what happens when you have a guard who can't shoot. You can't win. So we need to have as many shooters as possible. And it's not a crazy thing. I mean, you look at the Warriors now, obviously they have Stephen Curry, who's the greatest shooter of all time. But it's working. Their system is working. They don't have Clay Thompson. They don't have Kevin Durant anymore. They have a broken down, not broken down, but they have a Draymond Green that is different player than the ones that played for their 73 and 11 team or whatever it was. Um, it's not the same guy. And they're still 18 and two off of the strength of, of their style of play. They shoot a lot of threes. They move the ball and they play defense. It's pretty simple. It's a lot easier when you have, like I said, the greatest shooter of all time, but it's a formula that is proving to to have some value to it. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I, it'd, be, it'd be great to be the Warriors. So <laughs> it'd be great to be the Warriors. We should write that down. Every, be pretty chill. It's a hot take. Yeah, eight, being 18-2 and two and winning three titles over the last you know five years, I'd be cool with that. I'm on board. Um, so cool. Anything else about anyone else? I mean, Al, Al Harrington was cool. I, I remember he was in the documentary about the mouse at the palace. He had some really cool, cool stuff. I will shout say. out Al Harrington for his, uh, his shoes, the protégés, which close. I believe were exclusively sold at Kmart. Um, I was a big Al Harrington fan. You know who Al Harrington is for me? He's the guy who in 2K, like I always used to be like, oh, like when I make a guy, like I want them to be like average like you know like i don't i want to at least try and get their stats up to like an average level guy so i know i'm i can dribble a little bit i'm not just like how they are now in 2k where it's like you can either shoot or you can dunk or you can do this but you can't do both so i was trying to figure out how to do all of them al horford was the guy where i was like he can shoot a little or pretty decent i don't know he's six nine he was the definition of like a good – he was 13.5 points, 5.6 rebounds, 44% from the field, 35% from three. Yeah. Like that's 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 the my player that I was trying to make to get him to an 80. And then at that point, I would, you know, obviously improve his stats to be then ridiculous. You, you, bump, but you bump him up then. I just needed to reach Al Harrington's level. And then I was like, all right, now we're now we're cooking. And uh, that's what I think of when I think of Al Harrington is, is just like average. He's, an, he's the definition of like an 80 or like a 75, whatever your, your average grade is for an NBA player. He's like always hovering around that 75 to 80. I just think about that, the, the years in the Warriors back when the Kings were just starting to become bad and <laughs> he would just kind of go off against the Kings mm-hmm. always. Um, but yeah, I, I thought, I can't remember the player was that was fun before it changed that oh it was reggie evans reggie evans was originally on here and i was gonna say how random it was that the king traded for him in the marcus thornton trade and he came over here and just completely 
went off, like rebounding yeah. the, the bat. He averaged, I think, uh, 11 rebounds that season or that half season. He had a 20 rebound game with the Kings. Yeah. He had a game, maybe 20 plus rebounds to see if I'm just pulling up the game high. He had 26 rebounds the season before he came to the Kings, and he had 20 when he came here. He had 17 points in 20 rebounds. That's insane. Yeah. I mean, it was his, yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of putbacks, but his, the guy that, when I think of Reggie Evans, the guy that I was like, ooh, okay, the Kings saw this with Reggie Evans. Now what they should do is capitalize on Quincy AC. Quincy AC, for me, I was like, if we put this guy next to DeMarcus, we are going to be a problem. I don't know what ended. I can't exactly remember what happened in terms of why it didn't work out. But to me, the idea of Quincy AC as like a six nine hustle guy, so you don't have to worry about him, you know, getting out rebounded or something like that. Kind of like a a very poor man's Montrez Harrell, um, but yeah. he could actually knock down a three. Like he was by no means a, a knockdown shooter, but he yeah. had the ability to Chris, hit the shot. He shot thirty eight percent from three with the Kings in 2015, 2016. 38% and 55% from the field, 60 games. Come on. Come on. What are we Come talking on. about? What are we talking about? What are we talking about? Can we just run this back? Like, Where is he? How old yeah. is he? Uh, 30, I'm pretty 30, sure he like Fernabache or something. He's like 31. That. He was 30. He's only 31. See, that makes did, me sad. Like, did he get paid after that season? Because no. he no. should have been. I don't think he did. I, I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly, he went to like the Knicks. Yeah, and, he got a bunch of league minimums, a bunch of league yeah. minimum deals. It's just it shouldn't have ended. I mean, I really like I really think that would have worked out. It, and it's it's unfortunate. I also thought Quincy Miller would have worked out, but you know, that 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 definitely didn't. For a, for for different reasons it didn't yeah. work out. Yeah. Now, the Kings have a lot of players that they I don't know. That will go another hour and a half if we look back at players the Kings gave up squandered. on. Squandered. I mean, soon. the Tony Douglas just letting him go. I remember he had a pretty decent end of that season. Aaron Brooks, obviously, was somebody who worked out everywhere except for Sacramento. Yep, he had a uh, second Bellinelli, Another one. Is the Bellinelli season, like, I'm glad people have forgotten about that. But if we were to go back, like, that hurt. The Bellinelli, that, the Bellinelli, uh, Bellinelli stretch was painful. I oh, literally don't know how he was so bad. He it does not make sense. Over the first, what is it, uh, seven years of his career, the man literally shot 40%. 40. 40. Had to have been 40. It was 40. He comes here. Let me guess. Has the I would worst, say 30, if not under. Chris, by far, by far, the worst season of his entire career. 30% on the nose. And then guess what he shot after that? The, the probably next, 40. Probably right back up to 40. Four years. Oh, yeah. He shot 37% to end the last four seasons of his career. So he has a 40% beginning seven. Kings in the middle with 30%. Then he bookends it with another 37%. It's just, are we cursed? I mean, you talk about this. just like, are we cursed? What's, what is wrong with the basketballs, the floor? Is it, is it the soil of the city? Is it did is it like Chernobyl? Did something go off here a long time ago? And you can't play basketball here for a thousand years or something? Like I don't know. I don't know. You can't win. Um, I said the other I that 
that Rome thing, the Rome wasn't built in a day uh, article yeah. I wrote. I said, yeah. oh, yeah, well, the Rome wasn't built in a day. So I was writing a funny little article, just how long did it take to build Rome? It took like 2,167 years. So we're 16 down. Hopefully, you know, I, th- I thought this was a relatively constructive episode. I don't think we, we melted down at any point. I feel like we... Just a little bit we, when we started we ripping on the... To we, ripped, we ripped on the Laker fans. That's what kind of... It's all right. You know, if you got to the end of the podcast, that's, that's the kind of stuff you want to hear. You know, it keeps, keeps you going to the end. So um, I hope everyone enjoyed. Hope everyone is enjoying. We're getting great feedback on our episodes. Um, so make sure to tell your friends. Rate review and subscribe or whatever people say yeah, whatever people say um but but you should do it like even though we just say it and don't mean it like you should seriously do it because should. it's gotta mean something you know hey i hope people, so. wouldn't, people wouldn't just say it and we're gonna have more guests on at some point when we have happy things to talk about we don't feel yeah. like bringing somebody on to talk about doom and gloom stuff so yeah. for now you just get us but uh be on the lookout if the kings are playing better we'll start pumping out some fun happy content but for for now doom and gloom baby doom and gloom doom and gloom to end this episode but um yeah (laughs) hope you all enjoyed um again yeah we'll be back at the end of the week for another episode hopefully the kings can get some dubs um again for frankie gardicelli i am chris watkins thank you bye-bye peace